What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Commission's Wrap-Up Show. We're here to discuss the happenings of Week 5 and what to expect in Week 6. We saw the older brother come out on top of the younger brother. We saw Alicia get her first one of the season. Travis finally get off that snide. Boxell cruising to 5-0. We also saw Devin put up an absolutely abysmal performance that's due to make him want to shake up his whole team. We'll discuss all that and more coming up next. All right, so we're going to take a little bit of time to go through the matchups that happened in week five. Matchup by matchup, I think we'll go down the list. So we'll start with the first matchup, which saw Lip Luggage, Mike Bizzotta take on No Fist, Just Bat Flips, who's Devin. And this was a matchup that Devin obviously would like to forget. Uh, sometime on Saturday, I think Devin had an epic meltdown, um, fueled by alcohol, but also fueled by rage of his team. He just couldn't really get out of the box in this matchup, mostly due to his offense absolutely going silent. When you get only two points from Paul Goldschmidt and 1.5 from Travis Shaw and one point from Brandon Nimmo and four points from Mitch Hanniger, there's not much you can do to win a, a, any week. His pitching was non-existent as well. He got literally negative points from Kyle Freeland and from um, Derek Rodriguez on the same day. Both got blown up. Both really got absolutely destroyed. And this is definitely a week that either Devin can make a decision to blow up his team and make a big move or just try to weather the storm and hope he's just going through a cold streak uh, at the moment. Personally, if I was Devin, I wouldn't go and panic yet. His team is, you know, obviously only two two weeks removed from scoring a significant amount of points where he was pretty high in the power rankings. But at the same time, it's not something you want to sit around on and watch your team blow up. If he has another week in a row that he doesn't put up enough points and loses, he could be sitting at 2-4 and four in a division that the division leader is 5-0, and oh, so that could be very scary for him. So Bazada cruised to a victory, and let's not sleep on Bazada, who had 130 points. He really got a large showing from a lot of his team, specifically Ozzy Albies, who had almost 12 points. Marcelo Azuna continued to cruise. Charlie Blackman looked like his old self, and Mookie Betts seems like he's coming out of that little slump that he started the year with. Edwin Encarnacion has been amazing for Bazada. Edwin is 24th in points, and the only problem with Edwin is that he has no flexibility aside from being a first baseman, and but Bazada will take that production in his lineup. He didn't get much from Eddie Rosario this week, but Eddie Rosario is someone who Bazada has leaned on heavily this year. Eddie is top 40 in points, and he's been high, he's been behind a large resurgence from the Minnesota Twins offense. So it should be interesting to see going forward if Eddie Rosario can keep the season he had going. Uh, Pitching-wise, Bazada did pretty well. He had Zach Granke get 10.4 points. Trevor Bauer did not pitch well last week, and again, he didn't pitch well tonight against me in that matchup, but we'll talk about that soon. Uh, his relievers did pretty well. He had five points from both Greg Holland and Shane Green. And Caleb Smith for the Miami Marlins has been kind of a uh, a nice surprise for most teams. He now has gone four, uh, five straight starts going at least six innings, and he's gone at least five all year. So Caleb Smith has been... A really, really nice surprise, and Bazzotta looks to roster him weekly and see what he can get out of him. He has also the surprise of probably the year pitching-wise with Mike Miner, 
who's 34th overall in points, and he's been an absolute gem for not only Bizarro, but the Texas Rangers. He, as of last week, had six points, uh, 6.6 points in his last start. He went eight innings strong, lost one nothing in a, in a pitching duel against Toronto. Uh, Seattle, on April 27th, he got 10 points, went seven strong, struck out 13. So Mike Miner could Mike Miner could be someone on the move in July going to a contender, which would make him even more valuable for Bizzotta going forward. So that was that matchup. Bizzotta looks uh, to capitalize on that win that brought him to 3-2. and two. As he plays me this week, we will see what Bizzotta can bring to the table. The other matchup we had, uh, which is two part of a back-to-back doubleheader between Boxell and Karen, I like to pretend that I did that on purpose, but I didn't. It just worked out with the scheduling. When we have 10 teams, it somehow works out that two teams might play each other back-to-back, and we've seen that a couple of years. Uh, it's not such a bad thing, I don't think, but at the same time, it might not be ideal. But Boxell and Karen had a really good matchup this week, uh, last week, but then Karen looks to get her revenge this week. Boxell obviously went 5-0, and and his team kept on rolling. The highlights of his team, Alex Bregman had 15.5 points, Reese Hoskins had 10.4, Jose Abreu had 12, Jose Atuve had 6.65, and mostly his pitching was what killed everybody. Uh, Luis Castillo had 7.3, Domingo Herman, who's been a revelation for the Yankees, he's been a godsend for all Yankee fans. He looks like uh, actually Luis Severino out there with just how his hat is low and the way he pitches, but it's not. And he's pitching better than anyone could have expected with all the injuries, with Paxton going down. Uh, and obviously Severino not even starting the year. Domingo Herman has kept the Yankees afloat, and the replacement Yankees are unbelievable to watch. As a Yankee fan, it's been very, uh, it's been very nice to see all these guys get called up, from Talkman to Estrada to uh, Ursella. It's been very nice to see guys that get called up in AAA and make the big league at bats count. And the Yankees are hanging in there, and they're just going to get healthier and healthier. As time goes on, obviously we saw Sanchez come back, and Sanchez has been hitting the ball. Hopefully we'll see Judge back sometime during the All-Star break. Didi Gregorius will be back eventually. And we'll see what happens. So if the Yankees, this is all you could have hoped for with the injuries that have happened to them. Uh, Looking at Karen and Boxell's matchup, Karen really didn't get much from her offense. Only Chris Bryant, who's been quiet all year, did the most for her who had 11.4 points. Chris Taylor had 9.75. Taylor's having a heck of a game tonight. I'm actually watching the Dodgers versus Braves game. Currently in the top of the seventh, Dodgers lead 5-2. Walker Bueller was cruising for a bit, but uh, he gave up a two-run shot to, uh, I think it was Freddie Freeman. And Bueller's still in there. Uh, Going into the top of the seventh, has about 85 pitches. So that matchup definitely does have some implications for Boxell and for... Karen because uh, Boxell is a proud owner of Walker Bueller, who was my pick to be the NL Cy Young in the beginning of the year. Some of the things that played Karen was some of the streamers she had picked up uh, for pitching. Uh, she did get a complete game from Kyle Hendricks, and it still wasn't enough to get her over the hump to beat uh, Boxell. So Karen looks to rebound next week and try to get back into a commanding lead in the division for the uh, the. Reptar, et cetera, division. But Boxell moves to 5-0. and He's at the most points scored, 700, 747 points and counting, uh, while the next second best is under uh, 700. So 
Boxell is having a ridiculous year. As uh, Nick Markakis just hit a home run, I just watched him get it off Bueller, so that added some more points for me. It was a solo home run. But Markakis has been awesome for me. Uh, anyway, so moving to Travis and, and Mike Perry, this was a matchup that was probably the closest of the week, and Travis really, really needed the win, and he got it. He won by two points. Both of the teams didn't really have their best performance. Perrier is that is definitely a low end uh, as far as point totals goes goes for him. But he didn't get much from his team as expected. Uh, Whit Merrifield was probably his best producer along with Andrew Benintendi. They both had about 10, 12 points. Um, and pitching-wise, he got the, a run-of-the-mill amount of points. So that's what happens when you score 97 points. Travis just squeaked out a victory. And Travis can't really be happy. Yes, he got the win. Yes, he get moved a little bit closer in the division. But being 2-3 and three with 582 points is definitely something to be alarmed at for Travis. That is the lowest point total. Uh, nope, second to lowest point total in the league. So Travis has to be looking to make some changes. Uh, his team is definitely someone who is underperforming. He has some players that uh, have not lived up to their billing. We will see what Travis does if he wants to make a trade. Travis historically doesn't like to make trades. But he might have to if he wants to compete in that division. Uh, finally, we have the married couple who went to battle. And Alicia was trying to avoid going 0-5, which would have been daunting to overcome. She survived uh, a late onslaught by Greg. She won by about eight points. And it was her best showing of the year. So Alicia definitely avoided going 0-4. Uh, they both become 1-4, the bottom of both divisions. And it was a matchup that Greg probably would have liked to have back. Uh, he didn't really get much from most of his offense. Nobody scored above 10 points for him, even though he had 116 points. Uh, Soroka from the, the Braves had a really good start for him, uh, completing the week with 14.8 points. And uh, his second biggest point producer for pitching-wise uh, was his reliever, Will Smith. So that goes to show you if he's not getting a lot from his starters – he may not be able to win for that week. Uh, Alicia will look to climb out of the hole she dug for herself. Being 1-4 and four is a really, really tough draw, especially in the division with Boxell, who's 5-0. and oh, And they're almost uh, 200 points apart, so that just shows the difference in the teams. And it's going to be really tough moving forward for Alicia to compete with the teams in that division. She, this week, has a pretty tough matchup. If she wants to get to... Back in that division, a win this week would be huge. And she plays Devin, who is hell-bent on getting a win. Uh, she's off to a, a pretty good start with 20 points on a Monday. So Alicia looking to go 2-4 and four and push Devin to 2-4 and four himself. But Alicia has a long way to go. But she's not giving up. She's been very active setting her lineup. And if she can withstand the storm until Judge gets back... I think she'll be in okay shape, but the thing is she has to withstand the storm. Uh, Chris Archer, you got some bad news for him. So Chris Archer is on the DL for her, and his ERA keeps going up and up every year. I saw a stat that every year his ERA went from, I think, when he was in Tampa, it was at 3.8, and it kept rising every year. Now it's a 4.6. So the trajectory for Chris Archer is not good, especially for the Pirates, but uh, for the short term for Alicia, who was expecting much more out of Chris Archer going into this year. So uh, finally, the matchup between myself and and my brother, it really comes down to one thing, and that was Noah Syndergaard's complete game shutout. 
without that, you take away those points and probably give Syndergaard uh, a normal, whatever it would have been, seven points. You take away uh, 13 points from Jimmy, and he would have beat me about uh, by about two points. So that's obviously the fallacy of the predetermined outcome. We don't know how it would have worked out, but Jimmy had a great week. 142 points is nothing to sneeze at. His offense has been absolutely stellar. Mondesi for the Royals has been great. Nolan Arenado, obviously you know what you're getting from him, but Xander Bogarts, Michael Brantley, Stalling Marte, George Springer, they all got over 10 points. So when he does that and you score 140 points, it's going to be tough to beat. So that's a week that Jimmy can be very proud of himself. Uh, I'm definitely happy with the way my team performed this week. Yes, it sucked to lose. Yes, it was tough to go 2-3, and three, and I was really hoping to go 3-2, and two, especially coming out to a really early lead. I think it was on Thursday I was up by double digits, and I felt really good going into the weekend. But what can you do? When you have someone like Noah Syndergaard, at any chance he can go a complete game, any chance he can strike out 10-11. So I just got unlucky, and none of my pitchers really showed up. And that includes today. I have someone like Max Scherzer who goes six, and I think he had 80 pitches in the fourth inning. So, uh, yes, I'm you know you know what you're getting with Scherzer. You're getting the Ks, and you know it's going to be a lot of pitches every every time he's out there. But you got to hope him to go a little bit longer. And I have no complete games yet for my team, and I feel like that's what's holding me back. So if I can get my pitching right, yes, Verlander's second in, in pitching, but there's something about him this year that's not really dominant, and I can't put my finger on it. But watching him and watching Scherzer, they're not the same pitchers that they were last year. And I'm hoping that it's just because the weather's been a little bit colder, especially pitching in D.C. and in Detroit. It's a little bit chilly. It hasn't warmed up yet. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe they're, they just need time to get back into the groove, and I really hope that's the case. Same thing for Clayton Kershaw, who obviously started the year on the DL, but Kershaw hasn't been himself either. Uh, Kershaw has gone at least six innings in every start. But he doesn't look like his dominant self. He's like really grinding through the starts. And he looks like a guy who is struggling to get, get outs. And he's giving up the long ball more so. His last his last start, he gave up two home runs. And he just doesn't look like that dominant pitcher. And you gotta, you got to wonder if that back is an issue for him and if he's actually going to be able to last through the rest of the season. Around July, around late June, July, he winds up getting a little bit hurt and winding up on the DL for an extended period of time. And I keep my fingers crossed that's not going to happen, but that's always the risk you take when you have someone like Clayton Kershaw rostered on your team. All right, so those are the matchups that were week five. <clears throat> it was a good week. I thought everyone did uh, a good job of keeping the chat active. We saw some some different faces in the chat this week, which was awesome. And, you know, keep it up. I like to hear from you guys. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of things going on in all of our lives, but it's really fun to hear from you guys during the week. So uh, that's week five, and we're going to talk about week, week six in just a little bit. All right, so let's preview the week six matchups that are already underway. We're late on Monday night. Uh, as the games are going on on Monday, we have some live scores I can share with you, but I'll go through the matchups uh, before we even get into the scores. So right now we have Alicia looking to capitalize on her one win of the season and playing Devin this week who is looking to avoid going two and four Devin who is off to a great start is looking to avoid um, what happened last week he was hoping that was just a blip on the radar so Devin looking to get the win Alicia trying to capitalize and build some momentum towards a climb out of the hole she dug for herself uh, the next matchup we have is Boxell versus Karen 
This matchup is a rematch from last week. Like we talked about, it's one of those back-to-backs that kind of becomes a um, kind of a glitch in our schedule system. But this is a good matchup, and Karen and Boxell are the currently the two division leaders, so it's kind of poetic that both of them are doing battle both weeks in a row. But Karen really doesn't have the strangle that Boxell has on the division. Karen is 3-2 and two, while Jimmy's breathing right down her neck. Only points separate her from not being the division lead. And everyone else is at least one game back aside from, uh, I think that's Greg, who is uh, two games back. But at the same time, she is a division leader, so that matchup is something that uh, it's the class of the league. So Karen and Boxell doing battle this week. Uh, we also have the defending champion, Mike Perrier, playing Greg, who is fresh off that loss to Alicia. He's trying to shake loose of the bad feeling of losing to a 0-4 team and falling to 1-4 himself, while Mike Perrier looks to get back to his winning ways himself. Uh, so he lost that really tight matchup with, with Travis last week, low-scoring affair that he has to not feel too good about. Uh, the other matchup we have is Travis, who got the win in that matchup that was low scoring. He didn't score a lot of points. Yes, he has two wins, and that's kind of a he easily could be 0 5 based off the points that he has. He's playing Jimmy, who is, you know, about right as to what his record is to his points scored. He's 3 2. He's looking to take a stranglehold of the Reptar, et cetera, division, beating me last week. Uh, so Jimmy looks to continue his winning ways. And finally, it's myself versus Mike Bizzotta, Lip Luggage versus Mayor of Tati City. I'm off to an early lead, but this is a rematch from the championship only, I think it was three years ago. So this is a matchup that uh, I like because I like playing Mike Bizzotta. I like the texting I have with him. And it always seems to open up the trade talks with myself and him because uh, we are obviously looking at each other's teams all week and... We're trying to find that trade partner within each other that possibly finishes off and gives each other what we need. Um, we just haven't come to an agreement yet. We've been in discussion about many players, so I wouldn't be surprised if him and I made a deal. Not this week, though. I wouldn't make a deal during the week that I'm playing somebody, but I do like a lot of the players on this team, and I'm really interested in seeing what uh, we could come up with. So those are the matchups for Week 6. Uh, currently, there are a lot of points being scored, especially for a Monday. We have two teams that are over 20 points, and that's Alicia and myself. Uh, right now, we have a tight matchup between Greg and Perrier. It's 19.10 to 18.25, so that's a pretty high-scoring matchup for a Monday. The lowest point total we have thus far is Bazada, who is 9.85. He only had, I think he had two pitchers pitching today, and Trevor Bauer didn't pitch well at all. He gave up seven earned against the White Sox. And he also had Velasquez, who got lit up by St. Louis. He gave up five, earned over four. So not two not two great starts for Bazada during this week. He has, the, uh, tomorrow he has some pitchers going. He has Caleb Smith, who I talked about before, is a revelation for Miami and also for lip luggage. And he also has Max Freed for Atlanta pitching tomorrow, who's been great for them as well. So that's week six that's underway so far. Um, some of the matchups are good to go and they definitely have great implications going into week seven. So stay tuned. All right. So obviously this doesn't have anything to do with our fantasy baseball league, but I just want to get this out there and kind of strike up a conversation with you guys to see if you feel the same or feel very strongly in a different manner. So obviously if you watch the Kentucky Derby, 
on Saturday, May 4th. You saw that the finish, uh, we saw maximum security come out to a huge lead and pull away and win the Kentucky Derby and whatever. I don't know anything about horse racing aside from, hey, these horses go fast. Whoever crossed the finish line wins. And there's what I just watched it once a year, usually for the Kentucky Derby, maybe twice a year for the Belmont Stakes as well. So I was left just disheartened by the whole process of replay, and it got me really thinking about how it affects all sports. So while I didn't have a problem with the fact that they overturned the call and they switched the winner, because judging by listening to the experts and listening to the people that write about the sport and are actually uh, following the sport year-round, not just like helicoptering like myself or most people that are watching the Kentucky Derby on that day, I don't have a problem with them ruling that. What I do have a problem with is the fact that you're not going to make everybody wait 15 minutes removing the organic nature of a sport. If you want that call to be made, you make it in the moment. You disqualify him at the finish line. Make that call definitively and make that call in the moment. Don't make people wait there 15 minutes interviewing the jockey, interviewing the trainer, interviewing everyone involved with that horse as if he won, and then putting the microphone in the guy's face. As if he won, and then in the moment, you're literally catching his reaction that he got disqualified live. And yeah, it probably was the right call, but this brought up the conversation about the the infamous pass interference non-call with the Saints and the Rams last year in the NFC Championship, where people are wanting to change the results of the game past the game ending. So you have Saints fans that were boycotting the Super Bowl and wanting to... Um, wanting the NFL to award the Super Bowl berth to the New Orleans Saints despite not actually being winning the game. So you're assuming that if that call would have went your way that you would have made it to the Super Bowl. But there's other things that had to go right. And people are forgetting that the Saints and the Rams went to overtime and an interception was thrown and you lost the game in overtime. So it's a very slippery slope if we continue to allow replay to dominate sports and dominate the conversation. This also, too, and I'm not sure how many of you actually watch the NHL, but as we're watching the Pittsburgh Penguins series against the Islanders and also the Carolina series, there were so many goals that were just challenged for being offsides that every time you watch a goal go in, your reaction is tempered because you're like, who? maybe that was offsides. Maybe they're going to challenge it. And then also, too, like I remember the Islanders scored game one, or was it game two, 10 seconds in, a minute in, and then it gets reviewed, and then the momentum's gone because they're reviewing it for eight minutes. All I'm saying is I want them to get the calls right. I think it's great that replay is used sparingly. But what the NFL is doing with it, with the with now horse racing, it's infiltrating sports in the worst way possible. There's an element of human error that you want to eliminate from the game, Yes. But you don't want to eliminate the organic moment where every single moment is reviewed and replayed and it takes away from what makes sports great. And that's just the moment and the unpredictability of the moment. And they celebrate a moment as it happens, not waiting and celebrate a moment 15 minutes after a referee says or someone in a booth says that it's a good goal or that it's a good touchdown or it's a catch or whatever. I, I just don't want it ruining sports, and I just needed to rant about it. So let's see what you guys think about it. Let me know. All right, so I'm going to talk about the team name tournament that 
was updated today. Obviously, you guys saw the slew of different polls I posted in the group chat today. If you're looking, uh, some of the matchups that we have to look forward to for round two, we have uh, number one seeded the bye week versus 33rd seeded the human Cespedes who got past. Who did human Cespedes beat? So Jimmy beat uh, playing baseball derb, which was Mike Smollin's name. So not a surprising victory for Jimmy. So Jimmy will take on the bye week. One of the more popular names is the bye week, currently up to a 5-2 uh, lead. Seven people voted, so three of you out there still have not voted. You have until next Monday to vote, so I'm not in any rush to uh, get you guys to vote. But just know it's there if you would like to participate. So one more vote for the bye week, and he will clinch the victory and go on to round three. The other round two matchup is 15-ranked Valley Fever versus 17th ranked mayor of Tati City. And I'm currently up 7-0, which means I clinched a victory over Valley Fever. So round three, mayor of Tati City will take on whoever uh, comes up next in the bracket. Uh, another round two matchup, number three ranked Kazoos from the six versus 25th ranked Chris and the Klubots. Uh Very close one. Currently, I'm up. Kazoos from the six is up four to th- uh, four to three on Chris and the Klubots. So that matchup is still very much in question. Uh, the other round two matchup, we have number nine ranked Lip Luggage versus 24 ranked Bassett Hounds of Justice. Currently, Lip Luggage is up uh, six to one on Bassett Hounds of Justice, and that clinches the victory for him as well, barring anyone changing their vote. Uh, round two matchup, Ultimate Opportunist, which is the second ranked seed versus 31st ranked Character Concerns. Character Concerns made it out of round one, but isn't going to make it out of round two as the ultimate opportunists are already up 6-1 and looks to move to round three. That's a really good name from Devin. I liked it. That was obviously shout-out to the rated R superstar Edge, uh, the ultimate opportunist. Uh, the other ones that we had left were 15th-ranked Cargo Drop versus 18th-ranked the King of Queens, and King of Queens right now are up 4-3 on Cargo Drop, and it's still a close matchup and in question. Uh, seventh ranked Akuna Matata versus twenty fifth ranked Jack Mayhoffer. Jack Mayhoffer made it out of the first round, one of the preliminaries, but is down five one to Akuna Matata. It's ironic that Jimmy has Akuna Matata because he didn't keep Ronald Acuna, but can't even make fun of him for it anymore because Javi Baez is having a hell of a year. Our early candidate for NL Cy Young, at least finalist, if uh, Cody Bellinger and Yelich slow down. Uh, the other ones, we have 4th-ranked Motherfucker Jones versus 36th-ranked Bartolo Colonoscopy. Motherfucker Jones is up 5-2 on Bartolo, uh, so we'll see what happens in that matchup. 13th-ranked Hungarian Hambones versus 20th-ranked 20th Ioannis, are you out? Hungarian Hambones, which is Bizada's older name, I think from 2012. He's up 5-2 on Ioannis, are you out? I think Ioannis, are you out, was Travis's old name, which is bizarre. Um... So that one is looking to be eliminated. Uh, we also have number five, PD Squad, versus number 20th ranked down south, Collar Gene. That's Jimmy's name this year, which is up 4-2 on Travis's PD Squad. I think that was the year that Travis owned Ryan Braun and Robinson Cano and named his team appropriately the PD Squad. But right now it looks like Jimmy's name is very popular, and it's up. So we'll see. We also have another name from this year, No Fists, Just Bat Flips, which is the 12th-ranked team versus 21st-ranked Hit'em with the Hine, a Howard Stern reference from Box L. And they are tied 3-3 currently, but only six votes. So four of you are the difference makers, so you guys got to get out there and vote. 
Uh, we also have the number three ranked Summer of George versus the 35th ranked Kazasaurus Flex, and right now that is also 3-3. So get out there and vote and make the difference in that one. We have number 14th ranked BB with Elias or Walk with Elias versus 18th ranked Thermal Yes Movement, two wrestling matchups. Uh, and currently BB with Elias is up 6-0 on the Yes Movement, so it looks to move to round three. And our last two matchups, we have number 11th ranked Disabled List versus the 22nd ranked Nat Geo. Disabled List is a 4-2 with six votes, obviously. Four plus two is four. And our last matchup is 6th ranked Victoria's Secret versus the 27th ranked Casbos. And Victoria's Secret is up 4-2. And that's it for round two. So I will leave this these polls open until Monday around noon, although close themselves. And you guys can see the results as they will post all in the chat. I will post around three. If you guys would like to see an updated bracket, I will show you that. Uh, but it's just something to keep you guys active and informed and, you know, having fun in the chat. So hopefully it's not bogging down your notifications and you're having a good time with it. It seems like most of you are. I've got some good feedback from it and I'm having a good time with it. So I will continue with it. We're going to eventually have the winner and I have to decide what the winner is going to get. Probably something fun with the name on it. Uh, so we'll see. I think it will be something we can give each other. I think the winner will be announced around June 12th. So that's coming up, believe it or not, pretty soon. So it's about a month away. We'll have a winner of the best name. And we'll see what happens. So stay tuned. We're going to go through the tops and points for the players. We're going to start with the offensive players, all the position players. And go through maybe like the top 20. I'll just read you through some of the names and see who's hanging around there. So we have number one, which is Cody Bellinger. And Cody is dealing with an injury. He's been in the lineup, and he was in the lineup tonight. And he was out all weekend. He's dealing with some shoulder issues. But he's playing the field. So we'll see what happens with Bellinger. He is by far the best fantasy player in baseball currently. So any injury would be disastrous for Greg who is the proud owner of Cody Bellinger. And he right now has 10 points more than the next person in line. So Cody Bellinger has been awesome. He has 14 home runs already, 38 RBIs. He's walking a lot. It's 19 walks. Uh, has only struck out 20 times this year. And he's been absolutely great. Second in line is uh, Christian Yelich, who is actually hurt. Karen owns him. Uh, Yelich is off to a really hot start. He had 15 home runs. 36 RBIs, 6 stolen bases, 20 walks. So Yelich is due to be back. Um, oh, he came back this Sunday. So Yelich missed a week of action with uh, his back injury, but he came back on Sunday and hit a home run. So, so it shows how much I know. I didn't really see anything about Yelich. So Yelich was back and looks to be adding to his point total. It's amazing that he has uh 15 home runs and he missed a week of play it's been absolutely amazing what he's done since he's come to milwaukee last year number three marcelo zuna 55.6 points he has uh, 11 home runs and 30 rbis for the cardinals and ozuna looks like the player that he was supposed to be last year when he came over from miami so ozuna is already how many points he have last year so ozuna was not great last year for the whole season, he had only 166 points, and he's only already up to 55. Last year, he had 23 home runs, and he's already halfway there in the start of May. He only had 
88 RBIs and he has 30 already. So he's off until he's off to a great start. He's going to obviously surpass the numbers he had last year, barring any injury. And Ozuna is a great addition that Bizzotta put on his team this year. So Reese Hoskins is number four. He's on the 5-0 squad of Boxell. So Reese has been great. He's benefited from having Harper in the lineup. Despite Harper not really living up to expectations, Hoskins has benefited from having another big bat in the lineup. Number five, the aforementioned Javi Baez that Jimmy owns. He has 53.9 points. Nolan Arenado, Jimmy has him as well. And George Springer, Jimmy has him as well. At Alberto Montesi, and Jimmy has him as well. So this is kind of the benefit of looking at things like this. Jimmy owns the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth best players uh, offensively in the league, and that that shows. That's why he's putting up points by the by the bundle. Uh, Trevor Story comes next. Joey Gallo, Mitch Haniger, Alex Gordon, Cattell Marte, Jose Abreu, Paul DeJong, Mookie Betts, Luke Voigt, Mike Trout, Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman, Pete Alonso, Anthony Rizzo, Whit Merrifield. Edwin Encarnacion, Alex Bregman, Michael Brantley, Nick Markakis, Domingo Santana, Matt Chapman, David Peralta. So we'll stop there. So it's around the 45-point mark. Uh, just shows you some of the names in there are expected. Some are not expected. Trout's a little bit further down than you would expect. He currently is not having a bad year. He's walked about 31 times, has 20 RBIs, 7 home runs. It's just not... He's not keeping up with the other offensive outputs by all the other players. Um, you have to believe that Trout will be there at the end of the year. He's been consistent, but at the same time, you want him to do a little bit better than what he's shown. So he's batting three oh three, and he's being pitched around most of the year, but he's been a productive player as expected for Mike Perrier's squad. All right, so let's move on to pitchers. I'm going to go through some of those guys and just take a look at them. So just for reference, the, the top-ranked pitcher in the league, uh, point-wise, is uh, Mike Miner, which he has 45 points, and he's the 34th-ranked player. That means that 33 other players are all offensive players, which means that we might have skewed the offensive points a little bit too much with the addition to a little bit more points for the triples uh and I, I forgot what we had the other points for. Uh, but anyway, I like we have to just take a look at that. Maybe it's just the pitching is down this year and offense is up. But the pitchers we have, we have Mike Miner, Justin Verlander, Tyler Glasnow, Herman Marquez, Zach Ranke, Matt Boyd, Garrett Cole, Luis Castillo, Trevor Bauer, Jose Barrios, Caleb Smith, Kirby Yates, Domingo Herman, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, Noah Syndergaard, Max Scherzer, Zach Eflin, Jake Arrieta, and then Max Freed. So the top-ranked pitcher has 45 points, and for reference, Cody Bellinger has 75 points. So the difference is about 30 points from best pitcher to best offensive player. And I'll have to look at the numbers and see how that shook out last year. But I remember someone like Max Scherzer being compatible, at least in the top five of points at this time last year. So maybe it'll even out. We have to see. Uh, but... At, the, at this point of the year, I don't think anyone was having the ridiculous start that both Bellinger and both Yelich have, have had. Uh, so if you take away Bellinger's ridiculous start at 73 points, uh, being only about 20 points from the top offensive produ uh, production of an offensive player, being 20 points from the top pitcher is not that far off. So 
I wouldn't be too alarmed, but the changes we made definitely have to be looked at in the offseason to see if it affected it too much. Uh, but at the same time, I think pitching is just being damaged right now by whatever's going on offensively. They're just players are destroying the ball, and pitchers really are having a hard time getting around lineups multiple times. And obviously, you have uh, teams that are being wary about letting their pitchers go long innings and taking them out and being very cautious with their players that mean a lot to their franchise. So we're seeing a lot of the games become bullpen games, and that means that a lot of the pitchers are not going deeper into games, which is not means they're not collecting as many Ks. That means they're not getting as many quality starts, which means they're obviously not getting complete games. So that is all having an effect on our fantasy production. So we're watching teams like... Tonight, we watched Blake Snell have 83 pitches. Yes, he was just coming off the, the IL for the Rays, but he definitely could have pitched deeper into the game. He gave up one hit, and he came out of the game. Six innings, 83 pitches. So that's just an example of what they're doing. Yes, I know Blake Snell, Blake Snell was someone who was coming off the IL, but you see it all the time that they're being very careful. If your name's not Max Scherzer, you're not pitching over 100 pitches. So it's just a different baseball baseball game now. We're watching bullpens be managed going from the sixth inning on, and it becomes a bullpen game, and the analytics are taking over. And that might not be such a bad thing, but it does affect our fantasy teams in a big way. And we have to look at it in, in a more strategic manner that maybe we shouldn't be taking these aces at the top of the draft if they're not going to be the ones that are going to be producing the most points. It may change some of the strategies we have going forward for the draft next year. Maybe someone like DeGrom won't go in the first round. Maybe someone like Max Scherzer won't go in the first round. Maybe Justin Verlander won't go in the second round. It may change our strategies going into the draft, or maybe not. Uh, Because obviously the offensive production is all over the league. But the difference between the offensive players is pretty, pretty distinct. You look at a guy like Cody Bellinger, and the next best player is 63 points. So we'll see what the divide is during the year. But if you look at the, the, the best available player, all right, so we go to the best available player that is not rostered currently. So I'm scrolling down. That's Rafael Devers with 40 points. That means that he has more points than a guy like Carlos Santana. He has more points than J.D. Martinez, who I drafted. I think I kept him in the second round. He has more points than uh, Andrew Benintendi. He has more points than J.T. Realmuto. He has more points than Manny Machado. And yes, it's early, but you have to look at these things because uh, you got to get some bang for your buck in the draft and also on the waiver wire. Uh, Rafael. Power rankings. All right, so everyone's favorite segment. The conclusion of the commission's wrap-up podcast, and it's the power rankings. So you heard the noise, and it's time for our power rankings. So I'm going to start with number 10, as I usually do, and it looks much the same as it did last week. Despite the win, despite getting off the O for start, I'm leaving Alicia at 10. Despite being 1-4, she has the least amount of points scored, and she got a win, she looked better this week, but it didn't show me enough to move out of that bottom spot. Number nine, um, I'm moving Travis down there, and that's the same as he was last week. 
He lost this. No, he won this week against Perrier. But he has less than 600 points scored. One of two teams. He only has 20 more points than Alicia, who's been noted as having a really, really tough start. So Travis, despite getting the win and despite having two wins, uh, his stretch of competition and the stretch of the points scored and how he's been performing in all these matchups is not sustainable. So I consider his two and three start pretty lucky. He's lucky he's not 0-5. He's lucky he's not 1-4. So having 582 points overall is not a really good sign for Travis, and I'm leaving him in the ninth spot. So he may have something to say about that, but you know he won this week without even scoring 100 points. So he would have played a lot of the other teams, probably 85% of the other teams, he would have lost to them and been sitting at 1-4. and four. But instead... He got a little bit lucky, and he played Perrier on a down week, and he only scored 99 points and still got the win. But you know what? Take the win as it comes. Number eight, that's Greg. He was in eighth last uh, last week. He dropped to one and four after a really disheartening loss to Alicia. He He has to be kicking himself because that should have been a layup. His team just underperformed. And dropping to one and four is not the end of the world in the Reptar Accelerator division, especially since the lead is three and two. Uh, Karen and Jimmy are both three and two, respectively, and Travis and myself are two and three. So he's not out of the race at all. So he can't be panicking, but it definitely is not a great optic to start one and four. I know that I don't even like looking at my team being two and three. I can't imagine being three games under 500. So he looks to get back to winning ways next week or this week I should say and he definitely doesn't want to start the start the year one and five in his return to for the fame number seven I'm dropping Devin down one so he was six last week and Devin had a really really poor performance and he would admit it himself that everything went wrong for him and it wasn't just one thing it wasn't just one player it seemed like everyone just went cold at the same time so he may be hoping that it's just a cold streak that his team is going through and that they'll wake up this week. It uh, looks like they did a little bit this week with, as far as points scored. So far this week, he has about 20 points scored on a Monday, which is definitely something to applaud. But as far as uh, Devin goes, this week was just a bad week that he'd like to forget. But there's no – the power rankings don't forget, and they need to reflect how the teams are competing week to week. And he deserves to be seventh. Um and maybe even lower if these other teams didn't uh, fare so poorly themselves. Uh, number six, I left myself in the same spot. Despite the loss, putting up 120 points, uh, it's about middle of the pack, and that's about where my team is right now, just hanging around. So not much to say other than uh, coming off a loss, and it's not really a loss that I feel too badly about. It's a, I put up the points, and I was able to compete all week, and I lost to really a complete game shutout. And that's something that comes not that often. And when it does, you just tip your hat and just say, you know what, congrats on the win, Jimmy. So uh, falling to two and three, I'm trying to get back to my winning ways against Bazada this week. I'll start to panic a little bit if Karen wins this week and I lose. Uh, but Karen has to get past Boxell again. Number five, Jimmy moved up two spots with that win. He put up a lot of points. He showed a lot this week. He now has 636 points. Uh, which is uh, pretty up there as far as league totals go. And um, Jimmy definitely showed something this week. I really like the way his team rounded out. 
and you learn you learn a little bit about the teams when you're playing them yourself, so you get to look at them weekly and see how they line up with each other. And Jimmy's lineup offensively really impressed me, uh, specifically at with Ada Alberto Mondesi for Kansas City, and they're doing it in obscurity. But Alex Gordon and Mondesi are having some ridiculous years for them, and that Mondesi kid is someone who is going to be great for a long time to come, and he looks amazing. So Jimmy has definitely a star in his head, and he's going to have a tough choice between him and Javi Baez at the end of the year. I'm telling you right now that Mondesi is going to be really tough to let go and throw back into the draft. Uh, as far as, let's see, the next person up there, we have Bazada who moved up a spot. And Bazada sneakies at 3-2, 683 points scored, which is good for third best in the league. He is He is behind batter club in the division with his only, I think he's behind seven points from him. And then obviously Boxell, who's a five and oh with 747 points scored. Uh, Perrier moves down a spot with that loss. It, you know, obviously you would hope that that loss, and I probably would put money down that that loss that Perrier had this week was something of, I would say a fluke or just a bad week because he's not the, he's more of the team that puts up 120 points than puts up the 97 points. So, uh, Perrier is someone who his team is solid. I just I just have a feeling that this week was a down week for him, and sometimes those weeks happen, and it's better to get him out of the way early. And Perrier is going to be just fine. But every time you lose in this in that division, in the Ruben Sierra division, it's a it's a tough pill to swallow because Boxell just doesn't lose. He's now two games up in division, and it doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. So when you when you lose in a bad luck way like that especially when your opponent scores less than 100 points and you should win he should be sitting at four and one but he's not and he has to be kicking himself for it uh number two i'm moving karen to the second spot she did lose to box l last week but she did put on a good showing and she is a division leader and i think she deserves to be recognized for that so she's number two she's playing box l again this week and looks to have a better showing than she did last week but she's looking to fell the giant. She's looking to get the W and be back in her winning ways and hold on to the, the Reptarks that are a division. Jimmy's hot on her heels coming off the win last week, and he's only points behind her. So we'll see if she can beat Boxell and, and stop the undefeated streak or if Boxell's streak continues. So that obviously brings me to number one is unexpected. I should say not unexpected. It's Matt Boxell. He is the best team, bar none, in this league. He is cruising right now. His team is well-rounded, and he definitely, despite his name being character concerns, he probably has zero concerns right now. So 5-0, and it is a long season, and he's probably not going undefeated. He will definitely, it is baseball. He's going to face some adversity this year. But for the most part, he has to be ecstatic with how his team has started off. So Boxell is playing Karen again into the battle of the two division leaders, and we'll see if he can move to 6-0. and Wouldn't be surprised if he does. We could be sitting here next week with, with Boxell being undefeated as well, and I wouldn't be surprised if he kept on going. Uh, but, you know, it's baseball, and anything can happen. Anyone can get hurt. Anyone can get cold. And the thing is, with Boxell's lineup, it's hard to imagine that he's going to get cold all at the same time. That's been our power rankings. If you disagree with them, please let me know. Post in the group. I'm more than happy to defend them to you guys. I want to hear what you think. And just let me hear your voices.
All right. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been the commission's wrap up show. We talked about week five, look forward to week six. I had a really good time talking about it. And I'm looking forward to another exciting week of For the Fame Fantasy Baseball. Uh, Next week, I'll join you guys reviewing week six. Looking forward to some great matchups in week seven. And we will talk about all that next time I get to you. Until then, have a good one. Peace. Peace.